to the show, everyone. My name is Emily, and I am Renee, Bella's mom, just kicking back and relaxing in Florida with no idea of the mortal peril that my daughter is in. And I'm Paige. I'm Charlie, Bella's dad, having a complete conniption because my daughter said she was going to call three days ago when she was leaving the house in a hurry in the middle of the night. And you're listening to Tuesdays Over Twilight. (laughs) (laughs) So how are you? What's going on today, Paige? I'm doing great. I, um, I went to quote unquote, the post office. I don't really go to the post office because I'm not going to lie, it kind of bums me out. I just feel like it's really sad whenever I go. But I do go to a little tiny outpost in the Sprouts near my house that has a USPS, just like a little mini shipment area. And there's two old ladies that work there and they are so nice and they love their jobs so much. I went several months ago, um, I went to buy stamps, you know, because... I want to give the post uh, service, postal service my money. And the lady was like, I have these amazing ones about women's rights. And I just, I love them so much. They're so cute. And I bought them because they are really cute. So I went there today and it was just, it was really nice. I love that. Why do you think the regular post office is sad? I don't know. I just feel like the lighting is always bad. And like everyone I talk, like all the workers there that I talk to just seem bummed out. And I'm just like, I hate my job. Like, I understand the feeling of hating your job. And that's just the vibe I get whenever I go. And, like, I feel bad for them. So I'm like, I don't want to be an inconvenience for them if they're already working at a job that they don't like. Yeah. Yeah. I see where you're coming from on that. The lighting is bad. Um, Friend of the pod, Remy and I, I feel like it's, she's the one who said it, but she always says that she thinks she's going to die in a Walgreens. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I think it's, like, the lighting. I mean, just have a bad aura, you know? I actually really like Walgreens. There's a Walgreens extremely close to my family's home growing up. So I would go to Walgreens all the fucking time with my mom just to get snacks or, like, I need an Arizona iced tea. I'm going to run over to Walgreens. So I always really like Walgreens because I associate them with eating really delicious food. Interesting. I do not like Walgreens. I mean, they're my pharmacy, so I gotta go there, but I don't know. Just get bad vibes. I would say for a pharmacy, Walgreens is great for regular medicine. Would not recommend for insulin. they not super reliable. Oof. I can only imagine. I feel like I had a Walgreens story. What was it? I don't know. They are very reliable. Like one time I went on this like five day, like long weekend to a different part in Arkansas when I was living in Arkansas. So it was like two hours away or maybe even three. And I forgot my birth control and I was like, fuck. So then I just called the Walgreens that was like in the town that I was in. And I was like, could I have some birth control? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, thanks. (laughs) Man, they got your back. They did. They did have it. I mean, I would have been screwed if I, like, wasn't close enough to a refill, I think. But anyway, nobody cares. <laughs> I care. Thank you. Thank you. Here's the thing. I say a lot of things, okay? I am literally known as the person who has a story for everything. At Chipotle, we had a, um, cu- not customer, well, we did have a customer bingo that we made where it's like stupid shit customer says and we made a bingo out of it to see like if you could get a bingo during the day of stupid shit customers do. But then we also had a worker's bingo where it was like, oh, 
Jeff waves hi at you. Uh, Maddie Flynn says, I love my job, sarcastically. Like, stuff that people do. And yeah. mine was, Paige says, do you want to hear a story? So here's the thing. I, I will talk about anything. you got to put a lot out there because something's going to stick. Someone's going to want something. You know, someone's going to be interested in something, you say, if you spew a lot of stuff out. Cast a wide net, if you will. You know what? That's an excellent point. Um, it was weird, too, because I was listening to one of Paige's, Paige and I's favorite podcasts is My Favorite Murder. And I was listening to it yesterday. And they had, like, a short Q&A section in their latest episode. And it was weird, like, listening to it because I was like, we could also answer these questions. Like, we're podcasters. It's weird. I really love that. Uh, we should definitely do that. So if anyone has any questions for us that you're dying to know, shoot us a message on Instagram, Tumblr, any of that jazz, and we'll give you an answer. Unless it's send nudes, then we will. <laughs> yeah, get the fuck out of here with that. I'm not interested. I don't think our listeners would do that, but they probably want to know what we look like. Whenever I listen to a podcast, I'm like, what do these people look like? Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. Maybe okay. you will. Maybe you won't. <laughs> For me, imagine short, elfish girl, woman, with long hair. (laughs) For me, do not think of me at all. Erase me from your consciousness. (laughs) Actually, do that for me, too. I take it back. I don't exist. Anyways, so I made some pulled pork tonight. That was fucking good, you guys. Um, let me know if you want the recipe. Maybe I'll post it. You was giving me some some inside scoops on it. It sounds very good. I'm thinking about it right now. I put the rest of it in my freezer, which is a power move on my part because then I can't eat it. But it was good. It's real you good. Have, you get you eat it with pickles. No, I'm not really a pickle person. I My mom, she cans, like, different things. She, like, she does, like, salsa, pickles, jellies. And when I was moving out, she, like, tried to give me pickles. And I was like, Mom, I am serious. I think I eat pickles twice a year, <laughs> if that. Tell her that I will buy her pickles. Dude, she will not let you buy her pickles. She will give them to you. And then she will ask you if you want more. Like every time we are over there, she's like, "Do you guys need? Any, do you guys need any canned goods? Do you need any canned goods?" I'm telling you right now, the answer is yes. I do want more. <laughs> I should have just gotten you that for Christmas. Duh. I'll bring you some next time whenever COVID's over that I see you. Millie has already labeled me as quote unquote, quote unquote a pickle slut. I mean, that's fair. This really hilarious. My favorite um, snooky quote is. When one time she was, like, drunk as fuck, and, well, when was she not? But she was, like, eating fried pickles changed my life. Mm-hmm. Which I, fried pickles are good, I will say that. Um, but on my pulled pork, I eat, you guessed it, ranch dressing. I'm not surprised. <laughs> um, Listeners, I guess we haven't broached this topic yet, but uh, I am... Probably, I don't even think it's an exaggeration to say, like, in the top 0.001% of ranch eaters in this country and maybe in the entire world. Here's here's how much Emily likes ranch. 
I've remembered this fact since like sixth grade when she told me it. Because I think about it anytime a pregnant woman ever says anything about like her cravings. But Emily told me when my mom was pregnant with me, she ate a bunch of ranch and now I love ranch. And anytime I think of any woman who's pregnant having cravings, I'm like, that baby's going to love that shit because Emily loves ranch. Yes, my mom would literally put ranch on a piece of bread and then put another piece of bread on top of it and then just eat it. I don't agree. (laughs) It's not her fault, okay? Also, don't get it twisted. When I say ranch, I'm talking about ranch copyright. Hidden Valley. Don't come at me with your fucking Ken's or your fucking whatever nasty ass shit. I only eat Hidden Valley, okay? Okay. Should we talk about Twilight? I feel like we should talk about Twilight. Oh, right. Forgot about that. Let's do a whole ass live reading on this episode. So, we, well... Paige and I read chapters 21 and 22. I also read chapter 23 in preparation because I'm going to be reading it live. Hopefully I don't cut out. My internet doesn't fail me on the podcast. If you're hearing this and then we don't read it live, just pretend that we never said it. Okay. (laughs) But what did you think of chapters 21 and 22, Paige? This is what I've been waiting for. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. When you sign up to read Twilight, you're signing up for the romantic garbage. But I did know there was a lot of action. There was a lot of fighting in these. And finally, it's happening. The second chapter, 22, 21, 22. Yeah, the second chapter, 22, loved it. I, I was really upset that it ended and I couldn't read more. 21, I did not know Bella was so devious. She is so smart. And so, I would say, I would say she's brave. I, I don't know if I would have the courage that she has. So I really liked both of these chapters, actually. Nice. I'm glad. It'll be good because you have a positive perspective on it. It's not that I dislike these chapters, but I have a real issue when authors set up a logic within their stories and then or like a set of rules and then proceed to break those rules. I mean, we'll get into it, but there's an aspect of these chapters that irritates the shit out of me to this day. Anyways, let's get into it. Okay. Um, Bella wakes up and she realizes that she can hear Alice and Jasper speaking, which right away she's like, okay, well they could talk quietly enough to each other and would understand each other that like something's up. So she gets out of bed and she sees that Alice is drawing. And so she looks over Alice's shoulder And she starts, so Bella, to the reader, is describing what Alice is drawing in very extreme detail. So before you realized it, were you expecting it to be her mom's house? I 100%, I mean, not not before she described it, I didn't think that it was. But this paragraph where she's talking about it in the detail that she is, I was like, something's fucking up. Like, the way that she's talking with the detail that she is, there's no way she doesn't know what room she's talking about. Like, I don't know what it is, but it's something that she knows. Yeah. Were you shook? Like, what was your feeling when you found out what it was? I was, like, my stomach dropped, basically. I was like, because there's a lot of, like, there's a big, I don't want to say plot twist, but there is a somewhat twist in this these two chapters so this is before that twist happened so this made me feel real bad um and then the rest made me feel worse (laughs) 
Yes. And one thing I think we should say too, Paige and I actually talked about this right before we started recording, but I wonder if our readers are like, because we have told them that you've seen the first three movies. (laughs) So I wonder if they're ever like, why doesn't she know what's happening? So Paige confessed to me before we started recording that she does not really remember much of the movies at all due to the amount of alcohol we had consumed because it was New Year's. She does not remember this ballet studio scene at all. I I was talking about it with friend of the pod, Danny, and then also talking about it later with one of my coworkers. And both of them said that this scene is very different in the movies or like they don't remember necessarily this part that I'm describing happening the way that I'm describing it as also being in the movie. And, I, and they're like, wow, like I, I can't believe you're so surprised. I'm like, well... I don't remember anything. (laughs) (laughs) So this is actually working out really well for me because she's even more unspoiled than I thought she was. (laughs) It's very true. Anyways, back to the text. So Bella is like, that's my mother's house and everybody loses their goddamn minds. Mm -hmm. Um, So Alice calls Edward and he says that, or then she hangs up and she says that Edward and Emmett and Carlisle are going to come to Arizona, take Bella away, and hide her for a while. And Bella's, like, freaking out. And I just think that she makes a very good point here on page 425 when she says, I can't win, Alice. You can't guard everyone I know forever. Don't you see what he's doing? I just, like, I'm like, yeah. She has, like, even if you think about, like, her casual friends at her high school or, like, you know, aunts or uncles. I mean, there's been none mentioned, but you know what I mean? Like he will find someone. They can't guard everyone. There's only seven of them. So I almost said five again, LOL. (laughs) And I also feel like, like, let's just say hypothetically, like if James had captured and done something bad to both Charlie and Renee, I feel like Bella would be in a position where maybe she wouldn't feel like she has anything to live for, like that she let two of those closest people in her family down and like that James won and that she would turn herself in. Like, I I just feel like what James is doing is very smart on Mm -hmm. his part, but I think it's, it works. We know that it did work. And inevitably at the end of the chapters we read, it all ends up working and you know I think that it's I I just think that it's a smart move on his part it is but it's interesting that it works so well with Bella not saying that other people wouldn't do the same thing in her position but it's like I feel like one of her defining character traits is unselfish like she will not like let other people get hurt on account of her or even be inconvenienced on account of her so Mm -hmm. it's he he really lucked out with who he picked basically yeah Exactly. Um, so Jasper kind of like puts a big, or tries to put a big fog over Bella. Do you think that's manipulative of him or no? I I mean, maybe, maybe a little bit, but this is an extremely traumatic situation. And I think that like, he doesn't, he's not trying to make it manip- manipulative. I think that he's trying to almost dull traumaticness of it trying to make it a little more bearable for her because she is still mortal she doesn't have any kind of 
supernatural way to cope with anything or be able to defend herself against anything. So this is clearly something that's very upsetting and troubling. And, you know, your, your family, your loved ones could be in danger. So him doing this, I think, is his way of trying to help as much as he can. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's just hard when, like, you can't feel what you would naturally feel. But also, I think his intentions are good. Yeah. So, um, at that point, Bella goes and, and spends some time alone. And then when she comes back out, um, she sees that Jasper's gone. And Alice says that he's checking out of the hotel because Alice and Jasper are re- relocating closer to Bella's mom's house. And then the phone rings. And at this point, we think that it's Bella's mom calling, right? So Alice hands the phone to Bella, and she kind of walks out. And I guess I'll just broach the subject now. This is the beginning of this this section of the book that seems extremely improbable to me, okay? Knowing what I know about how Stephanie has created these vampires, like, they can hear for miles, all this stuff. How can Alice not hear the voice of a man on the fucking phone? That doesn't make any sense. I didn't even think about that. That's a really, really good question. And this bitch is a fortune teller. I mean, we'll talk about this in a little bit, but like, I'm just like, she, in a little bit, she sees Bella. Like, it's clear that she sees Bella hurt because she gets really upset by it. But it's like, how do you not connect the fucking dots and realize what Bella's planning? Yeah, I... I just, I don't know, because later we find out that Alice can only really see things when people decide they're going to do something. Like, once that decision has been made, then things change, things become more clear. I feel like she would see something then. Like, I feel like, because Bella hadn't decided at that point, before then, that she was going to do any witch thing. Yeah. When this is happening and she thinks her mom's in danger, I feel like her first, what she's got to do, her first instinct, I have to save my mom. I have to do this. So why wasn't Alice alerted then that something's changed? You know, that that is pretty inconceivable. Yes, exactly. And we'll just talk about it now since we're already on the subject. When, like, Bella's sitting there thinking about, oh, there's that bathroom on the third floor and it has the, you know, she's, like, having these detailed thoughts. Like, I know Alice isn't a mind reader like Edward is, but it's, like, she's literally planning it out. How did she pull this out? And I think Stephanie Meyer has addressed this, and maybe after we record, I'll go look and see what she said. But I feel like I read her, what she said, and it wasn't satisfying to me because I'm, like, this bitch is a fortune teller. Oops, I forgot. It's very frustrating to me, but I don't mean to be on my soapbox this whole episode, so I got it out of my system. We can move on. Well, that's something that I always have an issue with is when there's loop, or not loopholes, plot holes, or just holes in general. Like, if I'm writing something, that's something that is on the forefront of my brain. Does this make sense? Could this actually happen? Are there any, like, discrepancies that would make it not understandable to a reader so I feel like this was a big one because even I thought when she comes out of the bathroom after the entire conversation it really shocked me that Alice didn't do anything or say anything or I it just it was very surprising to me that they even took her to the airport and let her go off on her own it was very very surprising yes 
Agreed. Agreed 100%. So with all of that in mind, um, so James is on the phone and Bella had heard her mother's voice on the phone. So then James just kind of goes through this plan of his where he's saying, you know, I won't hurt your mother if you do exactly what I say. And what he tells Bella to do is to go to her own house and call the number on the phone or on the whiteboard or something where he wrote it and then go where he tells her to go from there. And she already knows it's going to be the ballet studio, but she's like, okay, I'll just do exactly what he said. And at one point he says, do you think you can get away from your friends? And Bella says, no. And then James says, I'm sorry to hear that. I was hoping you would be a little more creative than that. Do you think you could get away from them if your mother's life depended on it? Answer, answer yes or no. And so that is the point where Bella starts kind of laying her plans at the, for the airport. And I'm, it's so like insane that he says, before noon, please, Bella, I haven't got all day. I'm like, what else do you have going on? <laughs> Also, bitch, have you ever been to an airport? Nothing's on time. You, it's not going to work out that way. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, I think she pulls it off, but still, I'm like, do you got a hot date at 2 p.m. or, or what? He's got class of Pilates. You know, he's got to go to. <laughs> yes. And they do a great job of the making the actor in the movie so, like, slimy. <laughs> <laughs> he grosses me out. I mean, but that guy's hot. He's in Easy A, actually. <laughs> Which guy in Easy A? I love Easy A. The one who sleeps with Lisa, Lisa Kudrow, the student. That is hilarious. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. Yeah, it's funny. But in the movie, in Twilight, he's creepy F and gross. But in real life, he's hot. So um, this is kind of the end of the conversation. James makes her say a few things to make it sound like she's actually talking to her mom, which I'm like, okay, whatever. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Again? Alice, if, if Alice can't hear the male's voice on the phone, she has to be able to hear Bella's voice. Yeah. And there's no way that Bella pulled off this acting 100%. There's no way. Yes. Agreed. Like, I, feel, I feel like there would be, like, hysteria in her voice. hmm And I feel like I remember multiple places where she's like, I tried my best to, like, hide this and that. I'm like... If I was going through the amount of emotional distress and trauma, like, I I feel like there's no way I could be believable in this stuff. Especially to someone with supernatural powers. Yeah. Yeah. And we already know that Bella's a bad liar. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Yikes. Alice and Jasper really dropped the ball on this one. Yeah, eh, yeah. <laughs> Anyways. I also uh, just wanted to throw out there, I had a note in this section where the first, you know, two-thirds of the book, Edward keeps saying, like, you're in danger, Bella. Like, your life is going to be in danger. I don't know if we should be doing this, like, this and that. And Bella keeps saying, like, I'm fine with it. I'm fine. Like, I've accepted it. I don't have a problem with it. What happens, happens. Like, if I die, I die. But I'm wondering, like, the this chapter and, um, not goodbyes, but the chapter before where she kind of realized that Charlie might be in danger, I think this is her realizing, like, oh, shit, 
my choices don't just affect me. Like the, what I've chosen, chose, chosen, what I've <laughs> chosen to put myself into is going to put my loved ones in danger too. And I feel like, I feel like this is the first time we see Bella maybe feeling remorse about that. Like, like she's like, I mean, I don't have any other choice. Like, this is what I have to do. You know, like it's, it's sad. And I feel bad that she's like just realizing that now. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm just, I think it's her just realizing that her choices do affect other people and it's not as good as she thought it was going to be. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, I think that's an essential part of growing up, and that's pretty much what you do at this age. Unfortunately, Bella has to do it in a way harder version than the rest of us because her family's actual lives are at stake. But it's like, for me, I feel like a major, major section of growing up is being like, oh, I can't just do whatever I want to do. Like, it affects other people. Yeah, yeah. And especially those that you love the most and are the closest to you. Yeah. That's deep. Zooey mama. <laughs> so Bella basically takes like some time to kind of, I don't know, I guess get ready to die. Like she's like going through panic and she's sad about Edward and, you know, she's like thinking about how she'll never see him again and trying to get rid of her fear so that she can do what she believes she has to do. Um, and then finally she kind of like pushes everything away so that she can have a semi-normal expression for when she goes out to, out to see Alice. Um, and when she goes to see Alice, she lies and says that she convinced her mom to stay away. And then she asks Alice if she writes a letter for her mom, can she, can Alice leave it in the house, in her mom's house? And Alice says, yes. So then Bella writes this letter to Edward. Um, I don't know. Should I read it? <laughs> I'll read it if you want. Please do. Edward, I love you. I'm so sorry. He has my mom, and I have to try. I know it may not work. I am so very very sorry. Don't be angry with Alice and Jasper. If I get away from them, it will be a miracle. Tell them thank you for me, Alice especially, please. And please, please don't come after him. That's what he wants, I think. I can't bear it if anyone has to be hurt because of me, especially you. Please, this is the only thing I can ask of you now for me. I love you. Forgive me, Bella. I gotta say, that's a lot of periods and a lot of three three word sentences. That was a lot. It is a lot. And I wrote in my notes, I'm going to start signing everything Emily period now because she literally put Bella period, <laughs> which is so funny to me. What, what are your thoughts on the, uh, the handwriting, the script? It's an interesting choice. I'm kind of like, why does she, why, why does it look so, I don't know. I just feel like, it's not very feminine, but it's also not very masculine. I'm just kind of like, it looks almost like squished, like very squished together. I don't know. What do you think? I, my first thought when I saw it was that it looks like a divorcee in her forties who has a drinking problem. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think some people on Tumblr have talked about this handwriting before, so that's funny. And, like, compared it to Edwards and Jacobs. But anyways, um, also, I find it a little bit odd that she doesn't write to her parents. I mean, I guess it makes sense because they're probably, like, in her mind, she's probably, like, thinking that they're going to think it was an accident or, like, a, a murder. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't make sense if she wrote to them. But still, it crossed my mind that I was like, hmm. Yeah, so. I feel like if if she did write to them it would show that she knew she was going to die, which meant that there was something else going on besides like, oh, just a random murder. Oh, just like a random accident. Like if she were to be like, I'm going to die. Like, I love you all so much. Like that might force them or make them want to have more information and then just keep putting them in danger. Yeah. Yeah. It totally makes sense. Like logically and everything. It just like, it made me sad almost that she was like, Writing to her boyfriend of one month and not her parents. I mean, I'm not surprised. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but that's the end of that short first chapter. Did you have anything we didn't cover in that one? Mm-mm. No, we got it all. Okay, so then we move on to chapter 22, Hide and Seek. Um, so then... Bella says, I would have thought I was far beyond the ability to be surprised. My thoughts tortured and unstable, but I was surprised when I saw Alice bent over the desk, gripping the edge with two hands. So this is the part we were kind of talking about earlier. It's clear that Alice saw something that was extremely upsetting. Jasper appears out of nowhere, which I was like, did you just like sprint up the the stairs? I I bet somebody saw your ass. I thought the same thing. I was like, wait, was he here the whole time? How is he suddenly here? (laughs) Yeah, I feel like he sprinted, and I'm like, okay. Um, so Bella puts it well, because Jasper says, what is it? And Alice says, Bella. And Bella says, I'm right here. And then she realizes, she ha- Alice hadn't been speaking to me. She'd been answering Jasper's question. So Bella realizes that Alice probably saw her dead or being, you know, attacked by the, tra- the tracker. And but but Alice kind of tries to act like she didn't, which at this point, again, it's like, how do you not suspect? But whatever. So they get ready to go and then they get in the car and Bella, trying to act all indifferent, asks Alice how her visions work. And um, she says, some things are more certain than others, like the weather. People are harder. I only see the course they're on while they're on it. Once they change their minds, make a new decision, no matter how small, the whole future shifts. So then they arrive at the airport, and Alice has asked Bella multiple times if she wants to eat breakfast, but she keeps, like, delaying it because that's, like, her plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's sitting here planning her whole thing, but apparently the fortune teller can't see it. I swear I'm not going to keep bringing it up. But um, she gives Alice the letter that's actually for Edward. And then um, they announce that Edward's plane is going to be there in like 20 minutes. So she's like, okay, I'll eat. I'll eat now. Go ahead, Paige. Paige is wanting to interrupt me. I'm sorry. I, I can't accept that. Again, this is one of those things that is not believable for me, especially compared to the supernatural shit. That would not happen in real life. Okay, here's the thing. My boo, I just found out, he's landed. He'll be here in like 20 minutes. He's very, very close. I'm not thinking about a ham and egg breakfast sandwich. 
I, I'm thinking about kissing him. I like, I don't think about eating. I mean, I, I, that's a lie. I do think about eating, but like for a new relationship where it's like, things are new and fun still. Like if I knew that it was moments, minutes before I see my, the person, I'm not thinking about eating breakfast, Bella. You've already spent 400 pages talking about how irresistible this man is, that you can't stop thinking about him. Oh, now you're thinking about breakfast? Okay, sure. Yeah, that's believable. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, she has said it all. I mean, I really have nothing to add. You said it best. I Actually, I do have something to add that is also unbelievable. When... Alice tries to go with her to eat and she's like I'm feeling a little I'm like feeling a little what like like what are you trying to get across here like I just feel like Alice would not buy that like she wanted Jasper to go with her to eat like when have Bella and Jasper ever hung out alone they haven't I would be low-key insulted like if I was Alice I would be really that would make me upset Yeah, like, I know that Bella's point is, like, she wants Jasper's mood control around, but I'm like, you can't, you can't be on your own for 20 minutes. I think she wanted Jasper because he wouldn't follow her into the bathroom. Yeah, I know that's why she actually does, but I think that what she tries to say to Bella when she's like, or to Alice, when she's like, I'm feeling a little, I think she's trying to say, like, panicky, but I'm just, like, indigested? Like, (laughs) why'd you have to be weird about it? I have the worst farts right now, and I just, I need Jasper with me. So I can feel calm about it. <laughs> so weird. So Alice lets this happen. So Jasper and Bella walk away, and then they get to the bathroom, and Bella's like, I gotta, I gotta take care of some business. So Jasper says, I'll be right here. And Bella takes off. She starts sprinting, which can you imagine if you saw someone sprinting through an airport bathroom? I'd be like, I'd be so scared. I, I would be, I would be frightened, but I also think it's not out of the ordinary to see someone sprinting in an airport. Yes. In the terminal and everything, the gates outside to the taxi. Yeah. Okay. In the bathroom. I mean... I've seen lots of people sprinting in bathroom situations. I mean, I think a bathroom sprint situation speaks for itself. You know, like, no questions asked. You got to do what you got to do, my friend. That's why I'd be scared, because I'd be like, is this girl going to hurl on me, or what is going on? That's fair. That's fair. Like, give her her room. Yeah. I'd be running the other way. (laughs) I have a question for you. Okay. If you're Bella... And you and Jasper and Alice are hanging out in a in a hotel outside of Denver International Airport. And you gotta you gotta lose them. Do you know an airport well enough where you're like, oh, I know the exact bathroom where we're gonna go? Like I'm I was trying to think about it, I'm like, DIA is so big. Like, could I what do I have enough knowledge about a singular airport that I could come up with a plan this this good no question mark but also those trains Mm. like if you got on one of those denver airport has these like light rails that go underground and so if you got on one of those you have a couple minutes lead time because they can't run as fast as they as vampires can run in front of everyone without revealing themselves so they'd have to wait for the next one that's true that is true 
I guess, I guess you could come up with a, a feasible plan at least. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. I feel like I could pull it off at Minneapolis airport because I've been there so many times. But like thinking off the top of my head, like I can picture it all and I'm like, okay, I know it really well, but I'm like, I don't know if I know any bathrooms. <laughs> yeah, I was just, I was, I was surprised that Bella was like, oh, I know the exact room to go in. I was just like, I don't, I don't know if I would be able to do this. I think I would, I think I would have a panic attack and not be able to accomplish it. Well, she does mention that she got lost in that bathroom one time because she went out the wrong door. That is true. That would, that would be memorable. Yeah, so it makes sense. But I totally get what you're saying, too. Like, what? <sighs> so, um, Bella ma- manages to get on a shuttle to a hotel, and then when she gets to the hotel, she steals a cab from somebody, like, getting out of the hotel. It's kind of badass, honestly. I wanted to ask you, like, and this is a really hard question, but I guess flip the question on you. If you're Bella and you get this phone call, what do you think you're going to do? I think that I would, I think that I would be in Bella's shoes that I would, I would want to take my mom's place. I would want to do what I could to keep her safe. I don't know if I could accomplish all that Bella did. I, one of my main points was that I think that Bella is incredibly intelligent in these chapters. Like she does everything seemingly correct and nails it um I don't know if I would be able to do so well but I think that I would try at least I don't know if I could come up with a plan right now that makes sense but maybe if I had more time to think of something but I think I would do I would at least try yeah I don't know it's hard because I totally agree like I would obviously want to take my mom's place as well um you know, regardless of the consequences for me. But I feel like if I'm Bella, I'm telling Alice and Jasper about it. Like, I'm just like, I know Bella doesn't because she's afraid that James will somehow find out and then automatically kill her mom because she didn't follow his instructions. But for me, I'm like, I just, these people are more powerful than me. They literally have special powers. Like, they'll figure something out. We'll, we will figure something out together. I I think that's an excellent point, and I don't see how, um, like, if Bella hung up the phone after James had called and was like, hey, here's the sitch. Let's make a plan right now and go do it, but you guys cannot say a single thing. Like, we only communicate, like, maybe with, like, writing or, like, verbal signs, and some do maybe something to cloak their scent. I mean, I don't know how how close vampires have to be for other vampires to detect them. But at least hearing wise, they could just not talk and go to the house together and James wouldn't necessarily hear them. Bella could still call if they're silent on the, if Alice and Jasper are silent, she could still call and pretend like she's there alone. I don't know the extent of supernatural powers, if that would be, if that would not work, but I think that it would be smart to include the people who are stronger than you and have a better chance at surviving a fight, you know? Right. right. That's that's my thinking, too. And I, I agree. I think they could have gone away with going to the house. 
the whole Alice thing confuses me, and I know we got to talk about that in a little bit because it hasn't been revealed yet. But like, I'm like, how much does James know about what she can do? Because he clearly doesn't know that Bella knows that he's going to be waiting at a ballet studio mm-hmm. because he makes her call this number to be like, get your next clue or whatever. And so my thing is, is like, could Alice and Jasper just have headed him off there? Like, yeah, he would have known they were approaching because he would have smelled them, heard them, whatever. But it's like, then you can have a showdown there because he wouldn't be expecting them automatically to know that he was in that specific ballet studio, you know? Yeah. That's a good point. Do you think James would have run if he had suspected them coming? I don't know. And I don't think this plan works with Bella thinking that her mom was there. Now that I'm talking about it, I'm like, because then Bella would think that as soon as he realized that Alice and Jasper were coming, he would kill her mom. Yeah, that's fair. But knowing what I know, yeah, I think James probably would have run and, like, regrouped. Yeah, it's hard It's hard to say, like, oh, well, they should have done it this way when even they don't have all the information. Right, and they have false information. Yeah, exactly. That is extremely distressing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, we'll never know what we would have done in Bella's place, but I just feel like I would have so much anxiety that I wouldn't be able to handle this by myself, like... Yeah, I, even getting on the bus by myself is stressful, and I live in Fort Collins. Getting a cab by myself to drive an hour somewhere, no thanks, can't do it. <laughs> Mila's sharpening her claws in the background. <laughs> Cute. She's getting ready to pounce. So, yeah, so as Paige just says, um, she has to drive for an hour with a cab driver and the whole time she's picturing Edward and like having a fantasy with him so that she doesn't have to think about what she has to do. Then finally she gets to her house. She calls the number and of course James tells her to go to the ballet studio. So then poor, poor Bella has to run and let's just remind everyone it's Phoenix. It's hot. Bella hates physical activity. I'm picturing her wearing like I don't know why, but I'm picturing her wearing flip-flops. I don't think she actually is. But she falls multiple times, just, like, like literally the walk of death. Like, she is walking to her death. She gotta do it classy. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> and so finally she gets there. And um, she hears her mom's voice. And so, she yeah, she goes inside, she hears her mom's voice, and she can't figure out where it's coming from. And then she realizes it's coming from the TV and that he never had her mom at all. So what are you thinking, Paige, when you find this out? Bad. (laughs) I, this was, this was like, I don't want to say jaw dropping, but it was, I was like, oh shit, that sucks like imagine you are about to sacrifice yourself and you realize that it was for nothing like that would be that would be like all my hope would be gone I I felt distraught reading this like how bad Bella must be feeling right now that everything was literally for nothing it's interesting you say that because 
her first fucking thought is relief. And maybe this was a subconscious thing, but I wrote relief, all caps, relief, question mark, question mark. This girl has no sense of self-preservation at all. And then on literally the next page, James says, some of you have no sense of your own self-interest at all. And I'm like, maybe I just read this book too many times. But me and James agree. Like, mm-hmm. what? Relief? I mean, I definitely would, in a way, feel a little bit of relief that, like, because when I'm dead, James will have no reason to kill the rest of my family. Like, that, he's nothing to gain from doing that. So there would be a little sense of relief, but that wouldn't be my first thought. That's not the first thing I'm thinking. I think I would be bummed. <laughs> yeah, I'd be pissed. I'd be angry. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. Obviously, I'd be really relieved that my mom, like, wasn't going to be killed for me. But I feel like the all-encompassing thing would be like, okay, well, I'm going to die for nothing. <laughs> I literally just spent $100 of my knotted sock money for this bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, money doesn't matter anyways because you're going to die. I I could have bought so many cheeseburgers with $100, though. That's all I'm saying. Yep. Yep. So this is kind of the beginning of James's little performance. So... He's surprised that Bella isn't mad and says that I will give your strange coven this much. Your you humans can be quite interesting. And then he's like, is Edward? Well, he brings up his name later, but he says, is your boyfriend going to avenge you? And then Bella's like, no, I asked him not to in a letter. And James is like, well, I hope he does. This was way too easy. And then he kind of, why do villains always feel the need to, like, explain how they got to where they are? Because they're narcissistic, and also the writer needs to buy time for <laughs> something good to happen. Yep, this is facts. <laughs> so he tells Bella that after he learned from Victoria that Bella was originally from Phoenix, he decides to go there to, like, pay her mom a visit. And then he realizes that she actually is there as well um, because Edward gets on a plane to Phoenix and that's how he kind of puts the pieces together. And he says again, um, I really hope you're wrong about Edward not wanting to avenge you. And then he reveals that he's been filming this whole thing and he's basically making a video of Bella's murder for Edward to see later. Fucking jigsaw shit. I haven't seen it. Is it good? I mean, if you like horror and gore and psychological thrillers, I would say yes. But there's like 18 million of them. And, you know, some of them are good. Some of them are bad. Okay. Good to know. I didn't know. I thought there was literally only one. (laughs) That's awkward. Well, Jigsaw is the quote unquote villain from the Saw movie. There is a movie called Jigsaw that's more like about him um but i'm i'm speaking about the puppet on the fucking tricycle that you see in all the saw movies i feel like a dipshit i didn't realize that that was from saw i also haven't seen saw but yeah i didn't didn't know that was his name i have seen the little guy on the tricycle but i didn't know that was his name yeah i'm just gonna go out on a limb and say not your cup of tea okay all right i appreciate that yeah Thank you. (laughs) 
See, this is how it pays to have a friend who's known you since you were like 12 years old. I mean, I have to ask you, are you interested in someone um, falling into a literal pit of syringes? No, I am not. Yeah, so then maybe it's going to be a no. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for clearing that up. I'm very glad that you saved me all that regret. Um, so um, James basically says he's making this video because after Edward watches it, he won't be able to resist coming after James. Um, and then this weird thing happens. What did you think of this? This is like so totally out of left field, but to this day, I'm kind of like, what? I had to reread it like four times because I was like, wait, why? This information is so random. Who are we even talking about this like other person? Like I got that it was about Alice, but I'm like, why is James there? Who is this other person? Why is this even, why is this information even being presented? It was just very, very bizarre. And like, almost like it was forced in, like it doesn't seem like it belongs there at all. Yeah, I have to agree. I think Stephanie Meyer wanted to explain Alice's backstory and couldn't think of a better way to do it. That makes a lot of sense. So the gist of it is that James had actually picked Alice as a victim way back when. He just says ages ago. He doesn't give like a specific time. Um, and he reveals that she was in an insane asylum because of the visions that she had. Um, and she didn't really have much consciousness because they were um, treating her with shock treatments. And so there was a vampire who was taking care of her at this asylum. I'm assuming it was like an orderly or something, you know. And that vampire realized that James was coming after her. So he turned Alice um, to save her from James. And then James killed him, who he doesn't even have a name, Um like, because he was, it was just a vengeance thing. But that would be why Alice woke up with no memory of her human life because of the shock treatments. I I mean, it's an interesting backstory, but I got to say I was a little disappointed. I thought that Alice's backstory was going to be more extensive and intertwined with more things that are going to come along in the future. So the fact that it's already like, oh, here's all the information, nothing. I mean, I mean, maybe something more is going to come of it, but it seems like it's explained away right here so it's just like oh okay well there's that yeah yeah I agree it is kind of disappointing yeah it was just so ambiguous and mysterious for basically the first large majority of the book so I thought it was gonna be more of a thing you know yeah, and it's interesting, too, without revealing too much, like, you get other characters' backstories that haven't had this kind of lead-up that are way more detailed, get way more screen time, quote-unquote, page time. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, like, thinking about it now, I'm like, yeah, Alice kind of got the short end of the stick. Yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah, it is. Um, so then James decides that he's going to start torturing Bella um and this is where Bella kind of gets afraid for well I mean I think she's been afraid but she really gets really afraid here because she wasn't anticipating this she thought he was just going to kill her quick so that he could drink, drink her blood it's clear now that he's going to torture her so um James says that he thought the room the ballet studio would be perfect for his quote little film this guy's so fucking creepy and 
he does a lot of awful things to Bella. He throws her up against the mirrors and splits her head open. He steps on her leg and breaks it. That was the part out of all of this that I hated the most. Yes, it's horrible. Like, and the few times that this has happened, like in live sports, like it literally, I cannot watch it. Like it makes me sick. Leg bones? I mean, I I don't remember. Is it the more like the calf or is it more the femur? Does it say? I, I don't think it says in the movie. It's her femur. Okay. Well, the femur is literally the hardest bone to break in the body. So that's a lot of fucking power. Yeah, it's so unpleasant reading this. Um, So we won't linger on it. I do want to say that Bella stays so strong till the end because he tries to make her like say like, please, Edward, like avenge me or whatever, like whatever it is that weird thing that James wants her to say. And she won't do it. She just kept saying like, no, Edward, don't. All she that's all she gets out, but she's trying to say, like, don't come find him, you know. Um, so I think that's the point when she kind of gets thrown into the mirrors. And at this point, there's so much blood that James is not gonna be able to keep doing this. Like he's gonna have to, you know, give in to his temptation. So the last so Bella's kind of losing consciousness at that point, and the last paragraph is I heard, as if from underwater, the final growl of the hunter. I could see through the long tunnels my eyes had become, his dark shape coming toward me. With my last effort, my hand instinctively raised to protect my face. My eyes closed, and I drifted. So how are you feeling? What what are you thinking is going to happen next? Well, if I did not know that the next chapter's title is The Angel or just Angel, definitely would feel much more worried. I feel like something good is going to happen in the next chapter, but definitely felt pretty, pretty, uh, pretty bummed and not feeling good in this whole bit of it. Like definitely a lot of fear. I, I just, I feel worried for Bella for what's going to happen after this. Like, even if she survived this, this would be extremely traumatic. So I mean, I still feel real bad about it. I I have hope that something good is going to happen, but I am still frightened. Okay. Did you have any notes from this chapter 22 that we didn't cover? I did. I had one, but it was right before all the action got juicy, so I didn't want to interrupt. Um, but on page 443, at the very top, it's like right before, like I said, things get juicy. So... Basically, Bella's thinking, she says that she wished, she is walking to the ballet studio, and it's, like, pretty barren. There's nothing for her to hide behind. She's just kind of out in the open. And she says, more fiercely than I would have dreamed I was capable of, I wish for the green protective forest of forks, dot, 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 of home. And that that really jarred me. I The first time that she's ever expressed forks as being something inviting, as something she wants to be in and she not only that she literally calls it home that really surprised me I was never expecting her to say that in this book at all so just seeing that she's now like considering this town to be her home is was very shocking to me yeah yeah I think it's nice I have always believed that like a place is home when you have people that you love and care about there. I mean, obviously she loves and cares about her dad, but like, you know, 
I think that like her falling in love with Edward has made her love the place, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah, I definitely agree. It was just like I was like, oh my gosh, like this is totally different from the Bella at the beginning of the book. Yes, it's definitely like a very stark um, comparison to her at the beginning, and I'm glad you pointed it out because I I had noticed that too, but I forgot to talk about it. Yeah, that was the only thing that we didn't talk about though. All right. Well, Bench, you can get comfy because I'm about to read chapter 23. It's only like six pages, so. Okay, I'm ready for it. All right, let me just take a little sippy sip of water here. All right, chapter 23, The Angel. As I drifted, I dreamed. Where I floated under the dark water, I heard the happiest sound my mind could conjure up, as beautiful, as uplifting as it was ghastly. It was another snarl, a deeper, wilder roar that rang with fury. I was brought back almost to the surface by a sharp pain slashing my upraised hand, but I couldn't find my way far I couldn't find my way back far enough to open my eyes. And then I knew I was dead. Because through the heavy water, I heard the sound of an angel calling my name, calling me to the only heaven I wanted. Oh no, Bella, no, the angel's voice cried in horror. Behind that longed for sound was another noise, an awful tumult that my mind shied away from. Shied away from? Shied away from, sorry. A vicious bass growling, a shocking snapping sound, and a high keening suddenly breaking off. I tried to concentrate on the angel's voice instead. Bella, please, Bella, listen to me. Please, please, Bella, please, he begged. Yes, I wanted to say anything, but I couldn't find my lips. Carlisle, the angel called, agony in his perfect voice. Bella, Bella, no, oh, please, no, no. And then the angel was sobbing, tearless, broken sobs. The angel shouldn't weep, it was wrong. I tried to find him, to tell him everything was fine, but the water was so deep, it was pressing on me, and I couldn't breathe. There was a point of pressure against my head. It hurt. Then, as that pain broke through the darkness to me, other pains came, stronger pains. I cried out, gasping, breaking through the dark pool. Bella, the angel cried. She's lost some blood, but the head wound isn't deep, a calm voice informed me. Watch out for her leg, it's broken. A howl of rage strangled on the angel's lips. I felt a sharp stab in my side. This couldn't be heaven, could it? There was too much pain for that. Some ribs, too, I think, the methodical voice continued. But the sharp pains were fading. There was a new pain, a scalding pain in my hand that was overshadowing everything else. Someone was burning me. Edward, I tried to tell him, but my voice was so heavy and slow. I couldn't understand myself. Bella, you're going to be fine. Can you hear me, Bella? I love you. Edward, I tried again. My voice was a little clearer. Yes, I'm here. It hurts, I whimpered. I know, Bella, I know. And then, away from me, anguished. Can't you do anything? My bag, please. Hold your breath, Alice. It will help, Carlyle promised. Alice, I groaned. She's here. She knew where to find you. My hand hurts, I tried to tell him. I know, Bella. Carlyle will give you something. It will stop. My hand is burning, I screamed, finally breaking through the last of the darkness, my eyes fluttering open. I couldn't see his face. Something dark and warm was clouding my eyes. Why couldn't they see the fire and put it out? His voice was frightened. Bella? The fire! Someone stop the fire, I screamed as it burned me. Carlyle, her hand! He bit her. Carlyle's voice was no longer calm. It was appalled. I heard Edward catch his breath in horror. Edward, you have to do it. It was Alice's voice close by my head. 
Cool fingers brush at the wetness in my eyes. No, he bellowed. Alice, I moaned. There may be a chance, Carlyle said. What? Edward begged. See if you can suck the venom back out. The wound is fairly clean. As Carlyle spoke, I could feel more pressure on my head, something poking and pulling at my scalp. The pain of it was lost in the pain of the fire. Will that work? Alice's voice was strained. I don't know, Carlyle said, but we have to hurry. Carlyle, I... Edward hesitated. I don't know if I can do that. There was agony in his beautiful voice again. It's your decision, Edward, either way. I can't help you. I have to get this bleeding stopped here if you're going to be taking blood from her hand. I writhed in the grip of the fiery torture, the movement making the pain in my leg flare sickeningly. Edward, I screamed. I realized my eyes were closed again. I opened them, desperate to find his face, and I found him. Finally, I could see his perfect face staring at me, twisted into a mask of indecision and pain. Alice, get me something to brace her leg. Kyle was bent over me, working on my head. Edward, you must do it now or it will be too late. Edward's face was drawn. I watched his eyes as the doubt was suddenly replaced with a blazing determination. His jaw tightened. I felt his cool, strong fingers on my burning hand, locking it in place. Then his head bent over it and his cool lips pressed against my skin. At first, the pain was worse. I screamed and thrashed against the cool hands that held me back. I heard Alice's voice trying to calm me. Something heavy held my leg to the floor, and Carlyle had my head locked in the vise of his stone arms. Then, slowly, my writhing calmed as my hand grew more and more numb. The fire was dulling, focusing into an ever smaller point. I felt my consciousness slipping as the pain subsided. I was afraid to fall into the black waters again, afraid I would lose him in the darkness. Edward, I tried to say, but I couldn't hear my voice. They could hear me. He's right here, Bella. Stay, Edward, stay with me. I will. His voice was strained, but somehow triumphant. I sighed contentedly. The fire was gone, the other pains dulled by a sleepiness seeping through my body. Is it all out? Carlyle asked from somewhere far away. Her blood tastes clean, Edward said quietly. I can taste the morphine. Bella, Carlyle called to me. I tried to answer. Mm-hmm. Is the fire gone? Yes, I sighed. Thank you, Edward. I love you, he answered. I know, I breathed, so tired. I heard my favorite sound in the world, Edward's quiet laugh, weak with relief. Bella, Carlyle asked again. I frowned. I wanted to sleep. What? Where is your mother? In Florida, I sighed. He tricked me, Edward. He watched our videos. The outrage in my voice was pitif pitifully frail. But that reminded me. Alice, I tried to open my eyes. Alice, the video. He knew you, Alice. He knew where you came from. I meant to speak urgently, but my voice was feeble. I smell gasoline, I added, surprised through the haze in my brain. It's time to move her, Carlyle said. No, I want to sleep, I complained. You can sleep, sweetheart. I'll carry you, Edward soothed me. And I was in his arms, cradled against his chest, floating, all the pain gone. Sleep now, Bella, were the last words I heard. One word, rattled. <laughs> All right, let's hear your let's hear your live reaction. When she started talking about the, the undescribable pain in her hand, the first thing I thought was that's vampire pain. Like that's like that's something bad because her head is like sliced open and she's like, oh yeah, it kind of sucks. But then, so I was already like anxious. 
I didn't fucking know you can suck venom out like a freaking snake. I didn't know that. The fucking teeth straws coming right back on around. Here we are. I, one, I gotta say, Edward gets a point in my book for having the restraint, the ability to do what he did for the woman that he loves, and that he would choose for her to still not be a vampire. Like, that, because he could have just let her become a vampire and they could have lived forever. The fact that he still wants her to have the ability to make that choice for herself or to not make that choice, or, well, to say no to that choice for herself, that he, that he would be able to restrain himself. And, I don't know. I, I'd say this this chapter gives me a, a little a little thumbs up for Edward. I'll give him that. I thought that the angel was maybe going to be Alice at first, just because I love her so much. But it, it ended up being Edward, which I was like, okay, well, I, that's fair. I get it. Um, also helpful that Carlisle knows medicine, that he's like, yep, she got some broken ribs. Yeah, we got to we gotta do some stuff. Um, and then the smell of gasoline, my very first thought, James is dead, and they're burning his body. Okay. Is that it? I think so. I think so. Okay, I just didn't <laughs> want to interrupt you. <laughs> Sorry if that sounded rude. Um, yes, so I have responses to a few of those things. I also, like this Edward, this Edward, this chapter makes me respect Edward a lot more. Granted, granted, let's just remember, she wouldn't be in this position at all if it weren't for him. But, I mean, also for her, because she chose to, you know, be with Edward. But his existence has brought this upon her. But it did make me respect him a lot more. Another example of him basically saving her life. Like her mortal life, he saved it this time around. Yeah, and um, probably her entire life, mortal or immortal, because, you know, James was going to drink her blood and kill her. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming, based on the timeline, that he, they broke in, Edward broke in, right when that was happening. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, I didn't think I didn't think about like, oh yeah, he didn't just bite her to turn her. He bought her he bit her to kill her and consume her. Yes. Um, I can't remember if it's covered in Midnight Sun because I've only read it one time. But I always before I even read Midnight Sun, I always got the sense that James bit her right when he saw Edward coming in because he knew he was he probably knew he was dead at that point. Idiot. Especially if Edward had everybody else with him. And so he was like this is my last act of vengeance because I think he knows that Edward doesn't like, he's probably deduced the fact that Edward doesn't want her to be a vampire because if Edward didn't care, he would have done it already. That's a, a, a very, very good point. And I don't know if this got, I don't know if this audio got caught, but I just said petty ass bitch. And I, I think 100%, like if you're going to talk about yourself for three fucking pages, James, it would not put it past you to do some petty ass actions like this just to be like mm, take that Edward mm. yeah definitely definitely and I think we need to at least spend a moment talking about how this would be hard what Edward did would be hard for any vampire on any human but it's literally Bella who he has to fight every moment that he's with her mm -hmm. to resist sucking her blood yeah it's it, it 
I know earlier, many, many chapters ago, I talked about that it was extremely impressive for Carlisle to be in the field of medicine, constantly being exposed to blood. I, I still agree that that is extremely impressive. What Edward did for how he's been acting this whole book about Bella kissing him with an open mouth or like him just sitting close to her in biology class, like having actually having the blood and tasting it and like being able to restrain yourself. It is an incredible feat that I, I can't even imagine. Like I'm trying to picture myself, like there's like 80 McDonald's cheeseburgers in front of me. And it's like page you have, you can, you can take a bite and you can chew it in your mouth, but you have to spit it out. You can't eat it. You can taste it, but you can't have any. That would be, that would be the the temptation for me. I don't know if I would have the strength. I don't know if I would. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's hilarious. And yeah, it's, it's very impressive. I think too, when you mentioned that he could have just left her, that's clearly what Alice suggested, right? Um, she said, Edward, you have to do it. She's not talking about sucking out the blood because this is before Carlisle had mentioned that that was a possibility. And Edward yells, no, bellows, actually, to be more specific. Um, so clearly, like, at least Alice thought that that was logical. And I think that we talked about this earlier, that I thought that Alice had wanted that from the beginning. Not necessarily the beginning, but she had kind of hinted at it Um several chapters ago she said something about like well it's not the only option like Mm -hmm. she kind of threw it out there that I thought that she was talking about just turning Bella right then and there so that she wouldn't even be a temptation for James to begin with yes I think that you have been validated in that guess because I think that this reveals that that's the case Mm -hmm. and how ironic that she would be the one to suggest that when that's literally why she's a vampire because of James, you mean, or? Well, because James wanted her, and then that guy, the unnamed guy, turned her so that James couldn't have her, basically, so that, like, her life was saved. And now Alice is the one kind of suggesting the same thing, but for Bella. Yeah, that is ironic. I never actually thought about it that way. But you're right. Interesting. I just picture Bella, or Bella, Alice as, like, a utilitarianist like I don't know if that's the right word I took one ethics class in college but it's like she just wants to do what's gonna work that's just my opinion on Alice she's just like whatever's gonna work the best and I think in her her mind Bella being on the same level as everybody else is gonna work the best yeah I think I mean I I don't have any basis for it but like if I was Alice and I was thinking about it I think you know I want Edward to be happy I want Bella to be happy I like her And I kind of think that they both would probably be find some happiness at some point if they could be together, you know, kind of like Rosalie and Emmett, like, why not? You know, like, I can see where she's coming from. I can see where this, this line of thought makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the last question I have for you is, so Bella mentions this sound beyond Edward crying and screaming and everything. Who do you think is, I mean, obviously you think James is dead. So do you think there's others there like Jasper or what do you think is going on in the background? What can you remind me what you're talking about? Yeah, I'll read it again. So she's describing or Edward like 
crying and saying her name over and over. And she says, behind that longed for sound was another noise, an awful tumult that my mind shied away from, a vicious bass growling, a shocking snapping sound, and a high keening suddenly breaking off. I, when I heard that, I thought that that was James dying. Like, I thought that that was him being shredded. Like, I thought that that was, like, the moment where he is no longer a threat. Interesting. Yeah. Who do you think's doing that? I guess I would say Carlisle, because I know, I mean, the only people that we know are there are Edward Alice and Carlisle and Edward is there crying um so I guess it could have been him but I would my first instinct is that it's not Edward and I I don't really see Alice as a killer because Carlisle and Edward and Emmett were the ones on the hunting party so even though Carlisle like hasn't like killed a human that doesn't mean he hasn't killed a vampire you know like I'm not putting it past Carlisle to be able to to kill for the sake of good, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why I'm, I'm being so mysterious about it. I'm just like, where do you think all the players are? Because Jasper's around. He's around somewhere. Emmett's around somewhere. Because Carlisle, Emmett, and Edward were coming to pick up Bella. I guess it could have been one of them. But I guess in my head, hearing that, my first my first instinct says Carlisle. Yeah. As like the patriarch. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um... I think that's pretty much all I had. I mean, this is such a short chapter that I figured I'd just knock it out live. But yeah, do you have anything else? Um, so there's only two more chapters? Yes, ma'am. I'm wondering I'm wondering how the book is going to end, how it's going to open up the possibility for a next book. Well, I'm glad you asked, because this is the section where you make a prediction. <laughs> So chapter 24 is called An Impasse, and then the epilogue is the final chapter. I'm calling it a chapter because it's pretty long, like it's the length of a chapter, but it is called Epilogue and Occasion. Hmm, okay. An impasse is clearly something negative. You know, this was an extremely traumatic chapter. The past several chapters are very traumatic, Maybe Bella is finding this very, this all very hard to deal with or like coming back into reality. Like, how do we, how do we get around everything that just happened? How do we explain all this? I don't know if there is a way to explain all this. People arguing, well, should we tell people? Should we not tell people? I don't know. I I just see that chapter being a lot of contention um, between members of the Colin family and also Bella and what she wants and also Edward and what he wants. So I think that's just going to be a lot of arguing in that chapter or a lot of disputes. The epilogue, a celebration, maybe Bella, wait. An occasion. An occasion. Okay. Well, I am thinking in my head a celebration, like an occasion, maybe I think it as a positive kind of a thing. So maybe Bella returning to Forks, Maybe Jacob coming, something. I just feel like an occasion has a more celebratory ring to it. Like, I feel like it might end on a good note, but going in a completely different direction. Because I still remember that one of the one of the movies, she's with Jacob the whole time. Like, she's not with Edward. I don't remember what happens or why. I just remember there's a big period of time where, like, 
Jacob's her man and she's like finding out about Jacob's life and like all of the backstory with like their supernatural powers so there has to be something that happens eventually I don't know if that's the next book or the book after that but I feel like maybe this might be opening up time with Jacob I could be wrong but I don't know that would be my guess I like it I like it a lot it's crazy that we only have one more recording of this book well um, and I know that we've mentioned it before, but we are going to be doing Midnight Sun next so that we have the Twilight stories back to back, which will be interesting. It'll be cool to see it from a different perspective right away. Because I think I thought about doing New Moon next and then going back to Midnight Sun, but then I was like, no, because that's, I don't know. It just didn't feel right to me. I feel like it would be not as interesting because I would read New Moon and I'd be like, well, what's going to happen next? Yeah. You know? and then I, like, I have to go back to something. I already know what's going to happen, you know? Right, and then I was like, well, should we do it at the end after we finish all of them? And then I was like, no, that's lame. So we're doing it now. (laughs) I mean, not now, but as soon as we finish Twilight. So I guess that's it. (laughs) This is extremely random. I guess it's not super random. It has to do with Twilight. But this whole time I've wanted to bring this up. Are you a fan of Parks and Rec at all? I haven't seen it. I'm uh, online enough that I kind of sort of know who the characters are, but I have never watched it. Okay, so th- basically there's one a filler episode, basically, where there's a time capsule that Leslie is planning, um, uh, Amy Poehler's character, yeah. and, and they're trying to figure out what to put in this time capsule, and there's this grown-ass 40-year-old man who's like, Hi, I'm Kelly so-and-so. I was I sent you an email. I think that we should put Twilight in the time capsule. And she was like, oh, Kelly, I got all your emails. I thought that you were a lot younger and also a girl. He's like, nope, I'm 40 and I'm a man. And basically he handcuffs himself in Leslie's office until she demands to put Twilight in it. And he convinces uh, Tom, who is... Um, Aziz Ansari to read Twilight and he gets obsessed with it. So him and Donna and Kelly all have a sit down meeting in Leslie's office talking about Twilight. Cause Tom reads like he reads all of Twilight in one night. And then he's like, Oh my gosh, Twilight was so good. Like it was so good. And Kelly was like, well, man, what if I told you that there's a sequel? And he's like, what? There's another one. He goes, and another one and another one so tom reads all of them and he's obsessed with twilight for like this entire episode and it's hilarious but he's always talking about the volturi and i'm very excited because i don't know what the fuck that is (laughs) you have no you have no idea what it is i mean i'm pretty sure they're bad but i i I don't have any information because the way that he he brings it up is like that it, it they're a threat that like it's a threat to something I'll have to send you some clips <laughs> please do I look forward to it yeah I've never seen any clips from that that's hilarious though yeah that's I just wanted I've been thinking about that literally since we started reading I'm like I can see why Tom would love this his character is so like over the top like head over heels in relationships like loves the drama like he would love this book for sure <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious yeah, and I mean, congrats to you on the restraint. You didn't read it all in one night. You've been reading it at pace. You haven't cheated, so good job. That's true. 
Well, I think that's about it, folks. So we'll be back next week for the final chapters of Twilight. Um, we did want to mention that we added an anti-racism resource card to our link tree, which is in our bio on Instagram, Tumblr, and Twitter. Um, it was by, it's created by, um, she didn't ask for credit, but I mean, she created it, so I'm going to credit her, but it's created by Tumblr user Renegade Pack, and it just has a lot of great links for it. If you're looking to do something concrete or learn more, or there's just a ton of stuff on there. So definitely recommend checking that out. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you need a reminder, we are on Tumblr and Instagram at Tuesdays Are for Twilight. We are on Twitter at Taft Pod. You can always email us at Tuesdays Are for Twilight at gmail.com. And Mila says it's time to get the hell out of here. <laughs> Remember to stay hydrated. Yes, always. And stay safe, guys. And thanks so much for listening. Bye, guys. Bye. Our amazing intro and outro music was performed by Danny Plowman and produced by Alberto Beltran. You can follow Danny at Danimal6, and that's six the word, not six the number, Danimal6 underscore on Instagram.